Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll begin reading with verse 11. In the Presbyterian Church in America, in our denomination, we have two educational institutions, Covenant College and Covenant Seminary. And the hymn we just sang are the college and seminary hymn. Uh, I would encourage you to take special note of those words. They're special to me, having graduated from uh, Covenant Seminary, uh, but uh, they are uh, wonderful and amazing uh, words of devotion. I encourage you to, to note them uh, at some point. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But we, what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who, might, who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, thank you for your precious word. We would ask now that you will illumine our hearts, help us indeed to see what wonder, how amazing that Jesus, the glorious King of kings, deigns to call us his beloved. We are so grateful, Lord. And now we would ask that you would enable us to focus upon you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be seated.
Well, in uh, the Netflix series, and I know because of the quarantine, you all know what Netflix is, but in the series The Crown, which is a, a drama about uh, the life of Queen Elizabeth the, the II, in season one, now, please don't take my man card for using this illustration, okay? It's a good, it's a good series. Uh, in season one, uh, the queen travels on, on a diplomatic uh, mission uh, around the world. And she appoints her sister, uh, Princess Margaret, to be her representative for uh, some minor engagements. Now, Princess Margaret, as you know from watching The Crown, uh, Princess Margaret uh, long was jealous of her sister and felt like she showed no personality, no flair, and that kind of thing. And so she she took it upon herself to try to bring some of that and uh, to the monarchy. And so she, when she goes to functions during this time, uh, she jokes a lot, which isn't the way most in the monarchy do. Um, uh, she's very colorful. She jokes with the press. She speaks her mind, gives her opinion, uh, she belittles other dignitaries, and, and, and things like that go on, and, and, and this goes on uh, much to the chagrin of uh, the queen and others. And so uh, the prime minister has to have a conversation with Princess Margaret to relieve her of her duties and tell her why that's the case. And uh, he explains to her that she was not appointed to represent herself. This is what Churchill said. Your Royal Highness, uh, when you appear in public performing official duties, you're not you. Princess Margaret says, of course I'm me. Churchill says, the crown. That's what they've come to see, not you. His point was that she was not a good ambassador for the crown. In today's passage, it talks about how we are ambassadors for Christ. Let's take a look and see what that means and what it ought to mean in our lives. First of all, uh, I want you to notice, and we're focusing mostly on the last part of this uh, passage. Uh, look at the nature of the ambassador in verse 17. And basically, I'll, just, I'll tell you what the nature is. An ambassador is a changed person, one who's experienced redemption in Christ. Uh, in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, I want you to think for a moment how people try to change themselves. Uh, if you go to uh, uh, a library or a, a bookstore and you go to what is generally called the self-improvement section, 
uh, that in our day may be the largest section in the library or the bookstore. Uh, if, if, you, if you Google it, you will find millions of things, how to change yourself, how to transform yourself, just millions in just a, a half second. So how do people try to change themselves? Well, one way would be just by resolution, you know, like a New Year's resolution, something like that, or I'm, I'm resolving, I'm, I'm going to change, I'm going to do this, this different. And uh, another way would be, along with that, just sheer willpower, uh, self-discipline, just do it. Use your power within. And then another way would just be positive thinking. You just got to love yourself more, accept yourself, think well of yourself, and uh, then you can change to be what, what you really ought to be. Now, the problem with all those is that they are focusing on ourselves and our own strength always comes to an end. There is a, a limit to what we can do when it comes to that. And in terms of uh, spiritually speaking, we just can't change ourselves. Only God has the power to make ultimate changes in his creation. Verse 18 says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That was after he said, we're a new creation, the old's passed away, the new has come. He says, all this is from God. There's a lot of things that, uh, that they don't teach you in, in seminary. Um, probably the most recent thing that I realized they didn't teach is, how do you pastor a church during a global pandemic? That was never in any of my classes. It was never mentioned. And uh, a lot of pastors have, have found that out as well. But one of the things that uh, I had a very, very early pastoral lesson. I'm, here I was a, a 24-year-old pastor in a church, and I would have people come to me uh, asking for uh, spiritual wisdom or counseling or things like that. And, uh, you know, I would give them just the most excellent uh, counsel uh, because I always knew what they needed. And I knew how if they would change to this, that their life and, and things would be better. But what I realized so quickly was that I can't change people. I just simply couldn't do it. It didn't matter how much I wanted to change them. I didn't have the ability. And the reality is we don't even have the ability to change ourselves. So that was important for, for me to learn early on in my ministry. So how does this change happen if if we're not capable of engineering it, uh, we see God, first of all, creates man in the beginning and uh, when we are born. But spiritually, there's another step. And that's why we're born once, 
And then you know what's next. We need to be born again. In John 3, we see Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. Here's the account. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, there is a common misconception of that phrase, to be born again, because it's used this way uh, by a lot of people in the evangelical world. The misconception is that this, that, that, that word is talking about when we pray to receive Jesus or when we walked an aisle and, and you responded to an altar call, that's when we were born again. That's not what the Scripture is saying. The reality is we can't do any of that unless we are previously born again. In other words, to be born again is to be given a a new heart. And then we respond to the gospel. What What we call that in theology is regeneration. Generation be born, re, to be reborn. In Titus 3, 5, it says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. That's what it is to be born again. And that's when the change comes. In our first birth, we had Nothing to say about when it would happen, how it would happen, any of that. Likewise, in our second birth, if we are born again, it is because God has done something in our heart and in our life. And then we need to recognize we're a new creation and and we're not bound by our, our former life. The rabbis used to, call uh, this idea of being a new creature, it would be like going to someone who is an idol worshiper, bringing them into the Jewish fold, proselyting them, in other words, trying to make them a Jew, and then that's how different they would be from what they were before. They are a totally new creature, and, and Paul uses that same kind of phrase. So what's changed? Look at verse, um, uh, in in 17, it, it speaks about the old is gone, that it's passed away. So we should never talk about when we sin, we should never say, oh, well, that's, that was the old man sinning. That was the, the remainder of the old man that's in me and and the old man and the new man, they're wrestling with each other and the old man won at that point. You see how you're shirking a responsibility there? Because Paul says, what do you mean the, the old man? The old man is gone. The old man has passed away. He's dead. And so, if we sin... 
we are doing that which is against our new character. And we cannot justify continuing to sin. Wilfredo R. Garza lived the life of an illegal immigrant uh, for more than 35 years. He would uh, go to his home in Mexico and then he would cross the border in, in the daytime. He would look for work and then go back and, and forth. And all the while, he was constantly looking over his shoulder because uh, in, in his mind, he was an, an illegal uh, and he was concerned. In fact, he got uh, picked up at least four times during those 35 years, and then they, they bust him back to, to Mexico. And then finally, for some reason, he worked up the courage to go and, and see an immigration uh, attorney. The attorney asked some, some questions, and there uh, the attorney found out that uh, Wilfredo's father was born in Texas, and he had actually worked there. And so Wilfredo had every right. He was actually an American citizen. All those years, he had, he had the papers in his possession and yet he was acting as if he didn't deserve to be in our country. We as believers, once you are in Christ, we can't act as though we are members of another kingdom. We mustn't. And that's our, our caution here. The old has passed away. Now, it's not enough just to get rid of the old identity. If you don't fill it up with something of God, it will get filled with something. And that's the issue for many, that rather than growing in Christ and filling themselves with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, we are told. But rather than doing that, rather than seeking to grow, one stays a, an infant. So once we are a new creation, what's our calling? Well, that's where we see uh, the nature of the ambassador's calling. Verse 20, it says, Therefore, because we are a new creation, just to connect it, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. So Paul says not you need to be ambassadors for Christ, but you are ambassadors for Christ. And that word ambassador is a, a proper term uh, in, in which uh, the emperor would have for his representative. He says, that's what we are. So here's what I take from that. You come to Christ. You are an ambassador for him. The question is not, do you want to be an ambassador? The only question is, what kind of an ambassador are you going to be? Remember Princess Margaret? 
Well, that's, that's the point. She always wanted it to be about her, and her job was to represent the crown. We mustn't want to make it about us because we are ambassadors for Christ, and our job is to represent the true crown, King Jesus. We are his ambassador. When I'm seen, do people see more of me or more of Christ? What will people think of Christ if the only thing they know about him is by observing me? An ambassador should represent the one who called them to that position. So here's what we've seen. We can't be an ambassador if we don't know Christ, but we can't not be an ambassador if we do know Christ. It's who we are. You're an ambassador, you're a good one or you're a bad one, but you are an ambassador. Charles Spurgeon said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Same message. So what kind of an ambassador will you be? Well, let's look at the, the, the nature of the ambassador's message. There's four things I see here in verse 18 and, and following. First of all, uh, the message is essential. It's not just important. It's essential. God could have chosen any number of, of ways to get his message to the world. We those who are trusting in Christ alone, we are plan A. And there is no plan B that we've been told about. He has chosen to use, as we saw earlier in 2 Corinthians, jars of clay. And that shows his greatness in this. He says in verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So our being an ambassador is, is based on our experience. He reconciled us and then we tell others about how he reconciled us to him. That's our message. And if you've ever, if you've ever thought, you know, I'm, I don't know that I, I know enough to share Christ. Well, if you've been redeemed, you know enough to share him because he boils it down to that. That's the message. Secondly, the, the message is conciliatory and it, it's even gentle. Verse 19, that is, in, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Do you see those, those words, those uh, wonderful words of saying, making peace, doing that, as opposed to uh, punishing the world with what 
the world deserved. And that's the beauty here. But that message is also urgent. He says, we implore you. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. That, that word is an intense word. Saying, I'm, 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 I'm saying this is urgent. This is what must take place. And the message is one of peace with God. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that's, that's such an essential message that that's where we're going to start next week and the, and the whole uh, first part of the sermon is going to be talking about that because it is so key. What's, what's our motivation? Well, back in verse 14, it says the love of Christ controls us. Now, some of you might have perked up a little bit if, if that didn't, didn't uh, sound that familiar. You might remember the translation the love of Christ compels us. It's the same word. But control may actually be, be better here. Uh, the word literally means to, to hem in, to hold on both sides, to take away options, to give no way out, to back into a corner. But here, so that sounds very threatening, but he says, but it's the love of Christ. And so what he's saying is what you are called to do as an ambassador. It's not out of, it's not out of guilt. It's not out of only duty, though duty is there. That's not a bad thing, but it's not only that. But instead, he says it's, it's the love of Christ. So we are, as it were, driven by this beautiful thing called the love of Christ. He loved us so much that we should want others to know of his great love. It's the finished work of Jesus on the cross that controls us, that compels us to be not just ambassadors, but good ambassadors, ones that fairly and rightly represent the true crown, the king of kings. Here's, here's what, what Paul has said. God changed me, and then he called me to be an ambassador, and then he gave me a message. If you are in Christ Jesus, that is your identity as well. Let's bow together.
Lord, we hear our calling to be ambassadors for Christ, and we pray that, that even as we leave here, for those who, who are the redeemed, that we will be ambassadors that are true to the crown, that are true to King Jesus. We can only do that in your power, in your strength, and by your grace. And so we pray for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.